Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Security Token Show. I'm Kyle Sondland, and joining me is my co-host, Herwig Konings. If you didn't know, this is actually not an interview podcast. We're a weekly digest where Herwig's going to cover last week's industry news in the security token space. I'll bring you the latest security token offerings and market updates, and then we'll get into our main topic of the show, which this week is the new accredited investor definition changes by the SEC and what that really means for the industry. Glad to be here, Kyle. This topic is right up my alley, as you know. But let's start off the show as we always do by spotlighting two companies that did big things last week. What's your company of the week, Kyle? Well, my company of the week for episode 59 is Telos for hosting tokenized real estate on their platform. So issuance platform Catalio will be using the Telos blockchain to tokenize real estate in Croatia. According to a release from Telos, the tokenized property has an approximate value of 30 million euros. Telos also claims that several additional individual portfolios of real estate will be tokenized with investors receiving dividends via stablecoins generated from the property's rental revenue. Two tokens are expected to issue with one representing the ownership of the real estate property and then that second is a stablecoin for those dividend payment payouts. And so I'm psyched on the international real estate and assets front, and it's very exciting to see that these rental properties are going to be additional assets that are tokenized as the immediate cash flows can generate a positive return for investors right away to cement the value proposition of the investment asset. On top of all that, Croatia is an awesome place, and I just think it's so cool that these assets are originating from countries all around the world with this fantastic investment model. So what a great industry to work in, and congratulations for Telos for inspiring me this week and earning my Company of the Week award. That's awesome. Croatian real estate coming to the world. Very, very cool. And Telos, I guess a new blockchain uh, for security tokens. First time I've heard of this. This is fantastic. Great spotlight, Kyle. Congratulations, Telos. How about you, Herwig? Well, I'm also on the theme of real estate tokenization this week. I definitely have to give it to Mexico City-based Mount X. You see, the, the startup's goal there is to enable Mexican real estate investors easy access to Canadian real estate investments digitally, of course. So I love that mission. But there was one thing that, of course, was missing in that whole process. You can probably guess it. And that's tokenization. So now the company has teamed up with Vitalo's real estate platform to tokenize 15 different offerings. It's not clear exactly what the total value of those amount to be, but I'm excited to learn more as Mount X goes through the tokenization process with Vertalo there. So a huge win for the industry and a trend that I expect to see grow. You better believe that more and more real estate crowdfunding portals and existing equity crowdfunding portals in general will start tokenizing their offerings too. So meanwhile, congratulations to Mount X for setting the example and leading the way. I'm sure you agree, Kyle. Yeah, we've seen a lot of 
announcements on real estate, especially from Vertala. It seems like they're really honing in on that niche to, to provide some tokenized products. And we'll see once those things go live, how, how they can fundraise, how they're successful in bringing on capital. And then if they're if they're popular with investors around the world, like we've seen with, with some of the other tokenized real estate opportunities. So congratulations to MountX. Love their strategy here. Love their forward thinking. And uh, 15 properties is amazing. Great work to those Company of the Week winners, but let's get into the news. And before I do, as always, I want to remind you that everything we talk about on the show, all the news, it's sourced from stomarket.com slash news. You can go there. There are thousands of now links to security token articles and different topics. So go check that out. But of course, it is available in the description of the podcast itself. And the Security Token Show Medium blog can, can always be available, accessible for those articles there. So... Kicking things off in industry news this week is a, is a preview of our main topic, actually. So the SEC financial regulators here in the U.S., they've officially updated the definition of an accredited investor, which is, a, by the way, if you don't know, a term created by the Securities Act of 1933 to enable protections for investors. So now if this is your first time really hearing about this whole concept, really what we're talking about, it simply means is it's accredited investors are those who are allowed to invest in private companies. You see, the, the wisdom behind the definition was that if you are wealthy enough, you can afford the risk of losing all your money in an investment, which for with private companies is often the case, right? So the accredited investor definition uses a financial threshold to determine this. It's whether you make $200,000 a year in income or if you have at least a million dollars in net worth. That's excluding your primary residence, by the way, because obviously they're thinking that you can't get liquidity or invest your primary residence worth, right? So what we're talking about, the SEC has summed up you know, the accredited investors to roughly the top 10% of the wealthiest of Americans. And for over 80 years, that's who's been exclusively been allowed to invest in private companies, except for a few exceptions, of course, with certain regulations, which we do cover in detail on episode 53 of the show, if you're interested in that more. But now the SEC has enabled financial professionals also eligible to invest in private companies as accredited investors. In fact, if you were listening to last week's episode, you'll remember that I gave you this exact example of an investment banker facilitating private securities transactions as their day job, not actually being allowed to invest in those private securities simply because they didn't meet that financial threshold I just mentioned. And just like that now, a week later, the SEC makes me eat my words. Investment bankers with common licenses like the Series 7 and the 82 can now qualify as accredited investors. And what's more is the SEC leaves room for expansion here, which we're going to cover in greater detail on the main topic later in the show. So get pumped. And in other industry news, a major successful trial by major corporations has been announced. Bosch's research team, known as Economy of Things, Daimler Mobility, 51 Nodes, and the Borge Stuttgart Group have developed a flexible method for financing industrial capital goods on a blockchain basis. So the project actually began in May of 2019, and as the press release says, the platform, quote, enables investors to invest in industrial capital goods, such as machinery, vehicle fleets, or energy infrastructure via digital tokens. Furthermore, the issue of the tokens has the advantage of linking its financial costs to the actual utilization of the financial goods according to a pay-per-use model. I mean, come on, that is super impressive. They've even filed some patents, and guess what? 
The whole thing works off of Ethereum. That's right, the public blockchain Ethereum. So if you're still not following this, I'm gonna break this down what I, you know, one more time here, what I presume what, what happened here. The Boris Stuttgart, which is the National Stock Exchange of Germany, which has multiple plays in the blockchain space, by the way, seems to have teamed up with 51 nodes to be able to issue totally compliant security tokens built on the Ethereum blockchain that represent investments in financing for, say, Bosch's manufacturing goods or Daimler, which, by the way, that's Mercedes-Benz, for those of you who don't know, that basically to invest in car manufacturing or other short-term financing projects, which, again, that's simply so cool because of how institutional this whole trial is. Let me read this quote by Harry Behrens, the head of the Daimler Mobility Blockchain Factory. I think his quote speaks a lot. He says, with security tokens, we at Daimler Mobility can make new offers in relation to electromobility, for instance, for the financing of charging infrastructure or vehicle fleets. The fact that the necessary mechanisms are already provided for in the design of the software and that these are fully automated promises enhanced efficiency, better scaling, and thus increased cost efficiency in the financing of infrastructure and vehicle fleets. Our collaboration with Boris Stuttgart and Bosch has confirmed the potential in this area, and we expect the first placements on the market soon. So I'm speechless, Kyle. Whenever they launch these tokens for the, or the platform behind it, if it's if maybe it's the Boris Arts' HQLAX platform, who knows? But whatever it is, it's definitely going to get the company of the week. I mean, this is amazing. Like, any comment? This is fantastic. We're talking about a huge institutional deal, and we're talking about the fact that they're very forward thinking and trying to launch these products and bringing them to market soon. I think that's fantastic. They've got some great case studies to base it off of. They can look as far as as some of the DeFi projects that are that are leveraging tokenization of loans that they already have outstanding. They also have any of these other tokenization options for fundraising and, and opportunities for efficiencies in their traditional financial structure. So I just think it's it's fantastic. This is really what we're looking for in the security token space. And this is not going anywhere. This is only going to be something that you see from more and more of these larger institutions capitalizing on those basis points of each transaction. And again, when we're talking about millions, tens, hundreds, or billions of dollars, a couple basis points or even a percent or two really can add up and is a tremendous additional cost benefit for these firms. So don't be surprised to see this and don't be surprised to see many more coming in the future. And that really knocks the trend that big institutions, big fortune companies, right? They move slow, not so, because this is security tokens with Daimler, with major, major players from you know Germany's National Stock Exchange, et cetera. So as you said, Kyle, it's happening and it's gonna keep happening. In fact, folks, if you thought that previous announcement was major, then check this one out. HSBC and Singapore Exchange have announced a successful $300 million bond issuance via a security token. So the bond was from Olam International, which is one of the world's largest coffee, bean, rice, and cotton suppliers, and it's issued on SGX's digital asset platform. So the Coindesk article notes that the digital bond used smart contracts to codify rights and obligations, as well as its maturity into the bond itself, and on an on-chain payments solution from HSBC was also used to facilitate settlement in multiple currencies as well as transfer funds 
to Olam International. I mean, I've got goosebumps here on my arms right now because that is so cool. Another major, completely digital transaction. $300 million was issued that way uh, through a security token. And by the way, furthermore, another $75 million in digital bonds, as they say, are set to be released later on. That's just so exciting. And once again, also shows Singapore's leading prowess in the global security token market. This is huge, $300 million bond, multiple different currencies on the payout. I mean, this is really what you're looking for. This is fantastic, awesome stuff. Moving into some company announcements, we saw from Vertalo that the tokenization partner there from Mountex that I mentioned earlier, that they have launched a free distribution network for digital asset companies called the Vertalo Distribution Network or the VDN as they call it. The company describes the VDN as a quote, learning experience and client demo platform for digital asset consultancies and capital market firms. Specifically, the VDN platform includes the recently launched Vertalo Sandbox, which is a digital asset learning experience for VDN users. So to understand why they did this, uh, C CEO Dave Hendricks explains in a quote here, Vertalo wants to continue its focus as a technology company and limit the size of its direct sales force. By launching the VDN program, Vertalo is enabling the Vertalo Distribution Network partners to drive the digital asset transformation revolution in part by owning the sales process. So I think that's definitely an interesting approach. Vertalo definitely could potentially scale easier. I, I hope it pays off. And lastly, this week is an interview with T-Zero CEO Sam Norsalehu on payments.com, where he talks about his belief in the future of the tokenization market and the success they're currently seeing uh, with T-Zero and, of course, where they're headed. So nothing too revealing in there that you probably haven't already heard on the show, but check it out if you're not familiar with, with T-Zero or just love to see these articles and interviews. Uh, so as a reminder also to new listeners, we do cover two companies of the week that we did in the beginning of the show, right? And we do that in a monthly article highlighting the month's winners at the end of each month, of course. So August article is also out and I want to close out you know, the new segment by recommending that you go check that article out on our Medium blog. Go see all those wonderful winners that we chose for, for, uh, July, for, for August there. Um, and... Uh, of course, catch us on, on all the new ones in September. Check it out on the Medium blog. Yeah, for sure. And it's a short news cycle and there's only one virtual event coming up. So I'll just go ahead and cover that one real quick. The event is called Technical Talks of Next Generation Capital and it's hosted by Next Generation Capital, of course, featuring some great speakers, including the CEO of NXchange, an executive from Two Tokens, the vice chairman of International Token Standardization and the co-founder of Dusk Network. So that will be airing on September 3rd at 11 a.m. Central European time, which for those of you in the S means getting up very early if you want to participate in that. So check that Eventbrite link out in the description or at stomarket.com slash news. And that's all I've got, Kyle. I'm eager to hear the latest in the security token market. Awesome work, Herwig. As he said, stomarket.com slash news. That's where we submit all of our articles for posting. You can comment there. You can vote on different articles. But again, if you're somebody that works in this industry or you see an article that catches your eye, please submit it there because that's where we compile all of our resources to do our script writing and research for each week's episode. So that's the place to go. And again, as Herwig said, check out that Medium blog that we also post not only each week's episodes article, but we also post that company of the week article covering all those star stunning companies each week and what they're doing. So moving into the security token updates, the first one is from Realty. And so 
we're talking about an announcement that came hot off the press Monday morning. And so as a reminder to any first-time listeners, the new episodes of this podcast do come out on Tuesdays, which is nice because many company announcements get released Monday morning, so we can cover them first thing here on the show on Tuesday. And so Realty, the South Florida-based real estate issuance platform, has issued and listed nine properties onto Uniswap's exchange, and they appear to have almost double that in the pipeline, with many of those actually already in lockup post-fundraise. So they've already raised the money, they're in that Reg S six-month lockup or Reg D 12-month lockup right now. And so however, the company dropped an alarming announcement Monday through its PR Telegram channel, informing the public of a pretty serious fire at one of the firm's issued properties, 16200 Fullerton Avenue. Thankfully, no one's hurt and all the tenants are safe and sound, but the property must be evacuated for repairs, not only due to the fire, but because of significant water damage following the intervention from firefighters, not only from the single unit, but also from you know neighboring units that, that got flooded, essentially. Realty did front most of the costs for the repairs, estimating that to be at around $150,000, and they expect to be fully reimbursed by the insurance company on the property. The company did note that the rent will be paid in full to token holders until the next payment deadline, which is September 3rd. So as you remember with this structure, the tenants pay monthly rent just like they normally would, but then that rent is then distributed daily to token holders throughout the course of the month. So on September 3rd, when that next rent payment is due, I think they're expecting it to be a reduced fee, clearly because the tenants are not living there currently during the rehab. They are expecting to move those tenants back in in the next I would say two to three weeks, it seems like, and then it's gonna be about two to three months of rehab for the property as they can continue to fix some of the more exterior or external pieces that need to get fixed. So the company notes that they are adjusting the price of the Fullerton property for sale on the Realty website. So the estimated cost of renovation are roughly 125 to 150,000, which means that the current state of the property is worth 125 or 150,000 less. The token price for purchase for purchase and sale on the Realty website will be reduced to reflect this change. And once the renovations on the property are finished, the token price will be readjusted to account for the improved renovations and the additional equity value that then gets built up. So there was a fire. It's going to take a little bit of a hit on the property, but it seems like this is a short-term issue. It was resolved quickly. There is insurance, but thankfully no one was hurt. That's the main priority there. Obviously, the bad's going to stick out more than the good news here. But keep in mind, folks, that as Kyle said earlier, Realty still has a, a pipeline of, of tokens in the works coming. They're doing a tremendous job with this model and, and pioneering this process, if you will. So, you know, I think, you know, this is these things happen. As you said, I'm glad no one got hurt. And I think they're, they're handling this issue extremely well, right? It shows you that with security tokens, even if things were to, to you know, literally catch on fire, right, it doesn't matter. This happens in the real world. It doesn't affect, you know, the security token gets affected price-wise and the, the world moves on, right? And a huge shout out for Realty for being transparent through this process. I think that investor relations and, and this kind of transparency post-issuance is crucial, not only for investors to just understand what's going on, but just for the health of the market and, and 
the standards that they're building and the precedent that they're building with some of the, the, the listed assets that we've seen, maybe some of the OG tokens, there's, there's a lot of murkiness around, you know, the underlying asset and the team or, or, or where their direction is. And I think that this is a great example by Realty of showing that they are on top of this stuff. They're clear. They did a live stream. So you can actually go check out a 12 minute YouTube video from some of the founding team discussing this event and, and kind of highlighting some of these things that we just covered here. So they're very upfront, very transparent about it. And I think that that's commendable. And certainly we'll, we'll, you'll, we'll talk about this in the market segment, but it didn't seem to affect the price a whole lot uh, because of that investor trust. Great job, Realty team. Great job. And, you know, of course, our thoughts goes out to the, to the family and the residents. Hopefully they can get their, their back into their home soon and hopefully not their stuff is you know, not too damaged. Yeah, the belongings. That's frustrating. But a huge market update this week also kicks off with an article by Cointelegraph's Samuel Haig covering the Aspen Coin launch. So as we covered last week, the St. Regis Aspen Resort is now officially live on T0, marking the first third-party asset listed on the marketplace. So with a ticker, ticker of ASPD and a closing market cap on Monday of $23 million at about $1.30, the token shares immediately rank third on the market cap leaderboard on STOMarket.com. So Sam cited security token market data for the article, and I really wanted to shout him out for his great work and really being on top of the security token market as we develop. So Thanks a lot, Sam. That's awesome. And I got to say, Kyle, ASPD kind of does make it seem like it's like the Aspen Police Department I'm investing <laughs> in, but you know, we're going to move on. I was expecting you know, Aspen to be it's the ticker. St. Regis or, or yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> we also added three new tokens this week on top of Aspen. And so we're talking about Merge. So Merge Exchange, which is based out of Seychelles, is a fully registered security token exchange and securities exchange. And so prior to security tokens, they actually already listed 30 publicly traded shares based out of Seychelles. And so they have added security token functionality through a fundraise that we covered here on the podcast about a year ago. They were successfully able to raise that and list their own shares as their first security token. The second is MinerVest, which is an African investment fund. There's not that much information about this asset, honestly, and the website is actually disconnected right now. So I'm going to have to do some research there and, and really try to dive in deep and figure that one out. But MinerVest is a security token of a fund interest listed on Merge. And the third is an UpRats property representing partial ownership in certain units of a 216-unit complex in Brooklyn called the Usten property, which was developed by a New York stock exchange listed conglomerate, uh, Chinwan Real Estate Company. And so this marks the second foray into trading tokenized real estate that we see on secondary markets as well. So I'm excited about this UpRets property and it's an awesome development for the industry. So we got three tokens. They add up to around 25 million in total security token market cap and totals to 24 live trading tokens worldwide. That's really great stuff. Glad to see merge on on the website there i think we're going to keep seeing big things from them definitely definitely they, they they're a hardworking team we know them intimately and uh it's very exciting over there so as always we got all the trading prices on stomarket.com you get real-time pricing updates from a lot of these to assets as we build these data relationships with exchanges and you can find all the pricing information there so going into the rest of the security token market we've got it's down 11 percent this week, ladies and gentlemen, we're down to 503 million from around 565 last week, and that is led by a 25% weekly decline by OSTKO. 
However, I wanted to start with a fascinating rebound from the real estate sector. As I just mentioned, Fullerton Avenue got hit pretty hard by this fire, losing almost 25% of its equity value on realty. It is important to note that the insurance will likely cover most, if not all of those fees, but in the current time frame, we would expect to see a pullback on this token as investors look to rebalance with a less risky opportunity. While this expectation did turn out to be true, the Fullerton shares are only trading down 6% from last week. So it certainly is much less extreme than what Realty expected, currently selling their shares on their own website for just under $129, which would be about a 25% decrease. The other fascinating thing about the real estate market is that while Fullerton was down 6% this week, we saw seven of the other eight tokens actually trading higher this week with a few double digits and one in particular, Patton Street, which was up 35% in just the last week. It seems that any money left from the Fullerton property pretty much went out of that property and then funneled directly back into shares of other real estate issued by the platform. This is a great sign, as I said earlier, for investor loyalty and liquidity for these assets. And it really does prove that the strength of the investor community that Realty has built has been fantastic. So bravo to them for cultivating a strong investor community and some of the deepest liquidity in the industry, as well as handling what could have been really a huge disaster and mitigating any damage for investors. On top of that, as I mentioned, the overstock token did not have a strong week, down about 25% from, from uh, where we were talking last week. And so that's closing around $67. One interesting thing to note here is that the arbitrage opportunity that we saw in the overstock token may have closed shut. My logic here is that the overstock OSTKO token actually decreased by exactly the same amount in both public shares and in the security token to the exact basis point value on Monday. I think this has a slightly offset during the after hours trading, which is actually kind of ironic because the public markets trade after hours and the security token for overstock doesn't, despite the fact that that's definitely one of the value props of a security token. But uh, with, regardless of that, I think that, that we haven't seen a, a real arbitrage opportunity anymore. I think for any interested listeners, it would also determine that the liquidity discount for shares in OSTKO is currently about 30%, which is meaning that the liquidity discount for being a security token as opposed to the public markets, because again, there's much more liquidity in the public markets, there's much more capital there, and so therefore you would expect to see a discount. And so because they're moving at a very parallel rate, you'd expect that the difference between the public shares and then that security token, that would be your determinant of your liquidity discount. We'll see if this ratio decreases over time and based on the different liquidity levels of different assets to see if di different assets have different liquidity ratios or, or discounts, I mean. And so T0 picked up some of Overstock Slack though, up 14% this week and leading all assets in trading volume. And so T0, T0OP is actually still seeing close to half a million dollars in trading volume per day, which is double what we're seeing from Overstock. So T0 still is, is building a lot of hype and still has a lot of momentum right now. So don't think that, that just because Overstock is down, that necessarily means that the confidence in security tokens is down. It really just means that the confidence in Overstock is down, as we also saw in the public markets. Finally, we have a couple other big weekly swings with Mount Pelerin rising over 40% this week to $3.31 and Lottery.com, which was the biggest loser of the week, falling 72% this week amidst really strong sell pressure from some large investors who dumped tens of thousands of shares in the final week of August. 
So quite a busy week this week. We had a lot of volatility, a lot of action, which is just great to see that there's a lot of investors coming in, going out, getting excited and paying attention to the markets. A secondary market alive and well, from my perspective, another great market report. Thank you, Kyle, for that. Uh, definitely some interesting insights in there all around across all these various tokens. It's going to be hard to keep up eventually, I'm starting to think. But uh, let's just meanwhile stay focused. I think we can kind of move into our main topic. Yeah, let's do it. So the SEC came out with some big news last week, as you had mentioned earlier in the show. This was also a big deal because you, Herwig, had founded a company before security token group called Invest Ready that the goal was to help issuers verify the status of an accredited investor. This obviously has a big impact on that business as well. And so in full disclosure, I am also an investor in that company. But I think that before we kick off the accredited investor definition updates, you may, it may be best if you give our listeners an overview of what that company does and why it's necessary. Absolutely, Kyle. It's worth mentioning that up until 2013, the liability for qualifying as an accredited investor actually fell on the investor themselves. And they then typically had to fill out what was a self-attestation letter to take responsibility for that. Now, however, with the new laws for equity crowdfunding, enabling online investing and general solicitation, aka the advertising of deals, the SEC put in stricter rules for these deals and where the liability now fell onto the issuer. Uh, who is now responsible for taking what the SEC described as reasonable steps to determine investor eligibility, right? So the SEC is, of course, only focused on making sure no one can beat this rule. So they just basically said, look at their tax history. Why don't you have their hand over asset statements and a credit report? Or why don't you just have a CPA and our attorney write a letter on their behalf? Yeah, that's just not really practical at all. As a reminder for anyone listening, the income threshold determined by the SEC is $200,000 per year in income or a million dollars in assets not including your primary home. In their eyes, you essentially need to have money to lose in order to be eligible to take the risk investing in private securities. While it's not the best or most comprehensive solution, it was a place to start that would be easily verifiable. It wouldn't cause too many headaches. However, it does require a lot of trust to show somebody your personal assets like that. Yeah, it's very easily said. It's a very sensitive uh, process, right? It's a huge invasion of privacy, actually. You know, it's a, also, alternatively, it's an additional cost uh, incurred by the investor. So neither of these are ideal options whatsoever. I would go as far as to say it's limiting because it has such a high cost and friction that it might actually prevent people from investing as a result of that. So I started Invest Ready with a few of my colleagues from a startup accelerator program I was working at with this idea that this process can be simple, painless, and, and actually even quick. And in fact, just this year, we've been able to announce that you can get certified for just $10 and it can be done instantly in certain cases. It's truly impressive technology. And so I think it's worth discussing really quickly how that works and why it's so crucial because it's such a lesser known part of finance, but crucial to capital markets. Of course, of course. So it's, it's pretty simple really, right? We spent the last four years developing the best possible user experience to easily collect the information we need for InvestReady's verification team of attorneys to issue you a digital certificate that allows you to qualify instantly and programmatically, by the way, for private deals. So we have APIs and other tools to connect to the issuer site or to the crowdfunding or tokenization platform to host our technology. And from there, users simply upload documents by taking a picture with their phone or simply connecting to one of the many financial technology tools to automatically share their financial information securely to us. Does, does that make sense, Kyle? That's crystal clear, I think. So 
This service is also widely supported in the security token industry by InvestReady, right? When we're talking about Securitize, Vertalo, Prime Trust, PrefLogic, and many others that also use this technology from you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing by focusing on the price point and the technology really to deliver a great user experience, we've become quickly as a chosen and go-to for uh, the, the crypto and now security token space as well. And that was the case actually for traditional platforms. Uh, so real estate portals like Fund That Flip, Lending Home, AlphaFlow, and, and even big institutions like Mercedes-Benz Financial Services, they've all leveraged our accreditation technology to power their online investments. So it's by being in that space actually that I saw the security token revolution coming early on. Uh, we now even support global verifications, recognizing that digital security tokens will need to support investors from all around the world. It's really straight, it's really great stuff. And it's clear that having an independent third party to validate accredited status is crucial to the growth of the industry. As an investor, you can be confident your data is safely protected and secured, but it's just as important for companies on the other side of the coin to have an independent third party verifying these investors, preventing any anti-competitive practices between competing firms. However, the one thing that has always been a gripe is that the accredited investor definition is limited. Income level is not a fair way to run our capitalist economy and many outspoken leaders, including ourselves, have long stood for knowledge-based qualification standards on top of just income level. Yes, wealthy individuals should be allowed to invest, but there should be other ways to prove that you have the standards to properly evaluate risk due to intelligence or classical training, which before today or before this update was never really available. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, since roughly 12 million Americans qualify as accredited. So adding some odd 500,000 people with this rule change doesn't make a huge difference per se in absolute terms in, in letting more Americans invest, right? However, I have to point out that only four to 500,000 investors participate in private offerings each year according to data, which indicates that only 5% of accredited investors are actually even investing in these private market opportunities. That's an interesting fact. It's crazy to me that the percentage of eligible investors who participate is actually that low, despite the success of this investment class over the years. And that's a, it's funny how you say that because you're absolutely right that, that you can, uh, it's the best uh, returning asset class. So I can only speculate it's because most accredited investors don't even know they qualify for these deals and the ones that do typically still don't have access to them. So security tokens are changing the access part and obviously helping educate the accredited investor population. But ultimately we look towards the SEC and legislators to make changes like the one they did to really make an impact on the industry. And I personally think about you know adding a half a million new investors that are already familiar with this industry or at least finance in general is a really, really great thing. Think about it, right? So they they already are likely to be active investors. So for the sake of an example, let's say only one in five of them take advantage of this. We're still increasing the active market by 100,000 investors. That's a 20% increase overall. Furthermore, bankers have great access to deals and syndicate networks, meaning we may even see more activity as a result of bankers bringing in more capital thanks to their large networks, not just their own independent wealth. So if you ask me, I think this is actually a major, major, major change. This is major news for the private markets and will lead to a positive change that I believe actually is going to be more visible than people are having kind of as a first reaction to all this, which typically has been the thinking, right? 
Kyle, who cares about a bunch of bankers? Yeah, and I do remember that you mentioned that there also is room for expansion. I'm guessing that means that there may be more qualification opportunities, maybe attorneys, CPAs, or MBAs who may be able to act as accredited investors in the future. That, of course, would be major too. Yeah, that's what everybody is is chiming for. Absolutely, you know, these individuals tend to make or already nearly qualify based on the financial threshold sometimes too, like doctors. The question comes up as to whether they are immune to financial fraud or illiteracy or not. An MBA may have a better case than a doctor being potentially swindled out of a lot of money. So the case for bankers is definitely clear, but maybe not so much for these other licensed professions. Yeah, I see that. I mean, after all, we did advise the SEC back in 2019 to broaden the definition through multiple approaches, this being one of them. So of course, we're glad to see that the SEC is listening to the market, which is a good foreshadowing for more potential changes to come. Personally, I'd like to see more scenarios where an individual can qualify, such as qualifying based on passing a dedicated test made by the SEC or qualifying after working at a specific issuer for more than a year. You said last week that your co-founder, Adrian, wrote an article talking about how the rest of the world does it. So what were the highlights there? First of all, I think those are really great ideas you just mentioned there for qualifying. But as you said, my business partner, he did come up. You know, We do cover, as I said, global verifications. So ultimately, the rest of the world does do it sort of similar to the U.S., but typically with a more expansive approach. So for example, in New Zealand, an investor can qualify based on how much they invest in the deal, right? So presumably, if you have $100,000 to invest and you're willing to invest it all in one deal, you've probably done your due diligence and you have more in case things go wrong. In Switzerland, the size of the financial threshold actually changes based on your educational or professional experience. And in Canada, they offer two tests differentiating between net assets and general financial assets overall. So clearly other countries think similarly to how they regulate, but they've widened the number of qualified people and the different financial tests. So I hope to see the U.S. continue to do the same and add more options. That's a fascinating breakdown. Definitely go check that out. But I think that that's a pretty uh, comprehensive review of of the topic there, Herwig. Actually, Kyle, I do also want to mention that the SEC did also now enable our RIAs, rural business investment companies, Indian tribes, and other LLC catch-all types to qualify as accredited investors if they have $5 million in financial investments in the vehicle or business. So more institutional, of course, but still great for Indian tribes too, and more business types to also qualify for these investment opportunities. Again, the SEC here is stepping in the right direction. That's really great. Uh, A cherry on top for this change by the SEC. You got to love it. I'm excited about where private capital markets are heading and the SEC's intent to expand these definitions and their open-mindedness moving forward because more investors qualifying is only a good thing in the end. I completely agree, of course, Kyle. And now actually that is all we have for this topic. So to all of you wonderful listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Security Token Show. Hope to catch you all next week on Tuesday for number 60.